0: Well, we never said it would be easy here on the Owls America's Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Ostro, and it's been a miserable rainy day all day. My one-year-old, who has generally been sleeping in until past seven, decided to announce that she no longer wanted to be in her crib at 5.40 in the morning. However, the podcast still gets recorded late at night, relatively speaking. So I've gone nocturnal with a co- cocktail called The Nocturnal. Uh, it's a little bit Toronto cocktail, a little bit improved whiskey cocktail, a little bit mother-in-law cocktail. Uh, quite nice. The, it's a, there's Fernet in it, and often I find, I, I enjoy Fernet, but I often find that Fernet and cocktails tend to overwhelm everything else, but this is fairly well-balanced. Joining us this week, can he do it? on a cold Wednesday night in Queens under a tornado warning. He can, it's James Allen. James, what are you drinking?
1: Hey, James. Uh, I think I'm, uh, I'm possibly drinking meltwater in the basement of my building under a uh, threat of evacuation at the moment. Uh, no, I'm actually, I'm still st- staring out the window like about 10,000 other people at the prospect of a tornado barreling through uh, Manhattan and Queens, which is a little bit uh, disturbing. Um, what am I drinking? I'm drinking a Wolf's Neck IPA by the Maine Brewing Company, which i brought back from my sojourn up in New England over the last couple of weeks. Um, and I literally haven't tasted it yet. So all I know is it's an IPA by Maine, but I'm pretty convinced it's going to be awesome. So I'll report back in a few minutes, but hopefully it'll be a whole lot better than the weather in New York tonight. In the
0: interim, I'll we'll check in elsewhere in New England. My New England Al, Justin DeSorger. Justin, what are you drinking?
2: Hey, Jeff. James, uh, I'm drinking Buzzard's Bay Brewing Company. Buzzard's Bay is, uh, if you picture Cape Cod, is the arm clenched in a muscle. Buzzard's Bay is the armpit. Um, And, uh, well, physically, not metaphorically, it's very lovely. It's where I live. Uh, But Buzzard's Bay Brewing's uh, Pink Power Raspberry Sour. Uh, Women are smart. Women are good. Women brew beer as women should. It's a... uh, Tasty little sour, fairly low alcohol, so I started with some bourbon and uh, everybody's favorite plant, and uh, I'm here, I'm excited to talk about a couple uh, interesting games. Uh,
0: In keeping with the theme, I'm about to switch over to a That's What She Said, which is the milk stout from (laughs) uh, Treehouse Brewing that I picked up a few weeks ago. Ooh, how is it? It's quite nice, actually. So it's a little drier than like the left hand, which is sort of my go-to. I mean, it's not on nitro like the the left hand is. It's not quite as sweet, but it has like some very nice sort of roasty, malty, caramel notes as well.
2: So, it sounds I, like my speed. I am
0: double fisting for a for a two match review. <laughs> we do have Morikam and the Papa John's group stage match, with the Newcastle under twenty ones. We'll do some Wednesday news, and because the Sunderland game at the weekend was canceled because Sunderland has several players on, like, youth international squads or whatever. Uh, We'll go ahead and preview the Plymouth game and just go ahead and take next week off. We will start with the Morcom game. Uh, Justin, Wednesday are not going to go undefeated this year. We will not have our own version of the Invincibles. Although, man, it... uh, I'll I'll start with my thumbs up. We've been starting with a thumbs up. I'll start with my thumbs up. It's a lovely little ground. Very quaint. Nice sight lines. Like, I'm not trying to be patronizing. It was, it's nice to see something that doesn't look like a plastic championship stadium <laughs> that we've seen so much so uh, much over the last few years. My, my one complaint is the, uh, the far byline was so tight to, like, the edge of the stadium, I could never tell when a ball went out of play up there. <laughs> like, it looked like Liam Palmer was getting balls, like, in the technical area, but was still in play somehow. So that was a little bit confusing. But, uh... A nice little ground, great atmosphere. I mean seven I think they broke the attendance record at Moricom with the seventeen hundred traveling uh-huh. Wednesday supporters, they said. So Of course. Would have been a lovely day out, save for the final score.
2: Well, I I love that and I'm a huge fan of Stadia in, in all sport. Mm-hmm. For me it was baseball, obviously you too, Jeff, growing yeah. up with you know, hundred year old parks. Mm-hmm. Um can you do it? And I love, 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 you know, English football stadiums with the four stands and the corners and and the differences and how unique they all are. Um, and you're right. That's, that's a great atmosphere. Morecambe was pretty open about it beforehand. We're excited to have this big club. We know they're going to sell out. We know their fans are going to sing. And we, we sure did. And, and honestly, those numbers, like I think that that 1700 was our allotment. I saw a lot of other Wednesday fans sprinkled throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, as always, we, we brought it. But I'll, I'll flip that a little. That was a tough angle for TV, especially if you're <laughs> trying to figure out tactical or, you know, things of that nature. That was, you know... But that's what you get in League One.
0: <laughs> you know, sure.
2: that's what we're doing here.
0: Yeah, and the tactics were, I mean, pretty good once they had, by far, the lion's share of the possession. I thought for the most part they did a good job breaking down morocom who were set up as we as we said this is how especially you know this is a team that just came up from league two they were going to come out they were going to try to clog the channels get bodies behind the ball and make things difficult for wednesday and try to either hit them on the counter or get a scrappy goal and you know wednesday i don't even want to say you know we've complained over and over on this podcast that the sort of the, the the final third or the or the the service in, that last ball is wanting. I don't think that was actually the issue. It was just the finishing. Like, they had good chances in the box to be two or three goals out of sight, and it just, like, look, I'm not gonna sit here. I'm, it's, like, good vibes all around. They're still near the top of the table. It's a game they should have won by all rights, and if this was a different season in a different league with a different squad, I'd be bemoaning the same old Wednesday shit, but... Look, it's a bad loss, but I don't feel
1: bad about it. Well, let's um, let's give this the ultimate thumbs up, Jeff, because on paper, yes, it's a bad loss. But actually, that was a loss we as a football team can probably feel okay about. And I don't mean that in the sense it's okay to lose to Morecambe. Of course it's not. <laughs> but we won that game on pretty much every factor except putting the ball in the back of the net.
0: That important. That's, the, um, thing that, that's um, the bit that counts. And but teams, and it,
1: yeah. where I'm going with this is the possession, the control, the chance creation, everything about it looked like a team on the up. You know, mm-hmm. we looked like a team with ideas. We switched it around. The midfield was creative. The balls into the box were good. You know, we, we're what? We're a crossbar. We're a post away from going into the lead. And that team goes into the lead at Morecambe. They win that game 2 3 nil. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the reality is they didn't get the rub of the green. They didn't get it to drop. And, yeah, we paid for it. You know, really, really scrappy goal. But that was pretty much the only way Morecambe were going to score in the uh, in the scheme of this. <laughs> I the do feel, the, I the did highlights say... are
2: hilarious. If you watch the highlights, it's two minutes. It's a minute and 45 seconds of us peppering their goal. <laughs> and that it's a corner that bounces off a of dinner and then goes in and that's it.
0: I you did know? say, uh, I do feel bad cause I did say last week while praising... Billy Peacock, Farrell, there would come a time where we'd come for a ball and not give, get it and give up a bad goal. I did not think it would be the following week, but and it, that wasn't even all his fault. It was a very crowded area. It should have been dealt with before it even got to him, really. So there was a bad
2: turnover by yeah. he he'll should remain nameless in uh, the center of the pitch,
1: and that led. It wasn't to even that. It, it, it was it way. was okay, Justin, even because more. it was an away game, and he's sponsored by Owls talk for away games, so <laughs> <it> was fine. <laughs>
2: Brilliant,
1: my friend.
2: Brilliant, uh, yeah. because when he wears uh, blue and white stripes, he does quite well, which we'll mm. touch on later.
0: I did, I did. I, oh. I mean, I was even the, the corner itself probably should have been dealt with before it got to Peacock Barrel. Yeah, but, for sure. That's that's the kind of thing that can happen when you don't put the game to bed before the 70th minute or whatever it was.
2: Yeah, but this, I, I think we're all in agreement here, and this is something that I kind of taught myself as a teacher and a coach is to be process oriented. And if you trust in the process, you know, individual results game to game are beyond your control. And this is a perfect example of it. Our process was overall excellent. Um, You know, we battered them up and down the pitch, Um, although I I do have to give them some credit. And I perhaps will in a little bit. Um, But it it just didn't go our way. And there's 46 games. You're not... Mm -hmm. You're not going to get through that without losing one. Um, And honestly, I've been impressed with Morecambe's results so far, and I was impressed with how well they handled things. I I don't think they're going back down to League 2. So to go on the road and lose in an atmosphere like that, it's
0: going to happen. And and I... And on that pitch too, you know, it's not a pitch that suits the way Wednesday wants to play. They want to get the ball wide. They don't want to. They want space in the midfield, and this just was never going to happen for them there, either tactically or in the physical space.
2: Oh, that's coming down to League One. <laughs> yeah.
0: Won't be the first time. Won't be the last time. Uh, and to quote I hope one of the, the last I don't time. remember which of the last <laughs> six managers said this at some point, but uh, they will play worse than that this year and win games.
1: Yeah, Already have to be perfectly honest, <laughs> probably. Don and Fleetwood come to mind, but um, you know, that oh. game goes in the opposite direction. George Byers' shot goes in, which mm-hmm. is a beautiful shot, by the yeah. way. I mean, that deserved a goal the way he and he meant every inch of what he was doing there, and it just you know, obviously clipped the post and uh, and wasn't what it could have been. But that goal goes in, we win the game, we're points clear at the top of the table. Mm-hmm. So that's a great shot. You've got to brother. put it in perspective, right?
2: I thought he was gonna smash that, and for him to take. <laughs> That extra second to just place it was... And you're right, that that changes everything.
0: And you need to look no further than the midweek game to see Wednesday playing with the exact same tactics and pulling the full uh, Kramer from Seinfeld in the karate class with children against uh, the Newcastle United under 21s. Uh, My thumbs up for this, it just look it was a weird game to watch it felt like a training exercise they said there were six thousand wednesday fans there i th- i assume they were all either like seated in the cop or in the uh south stands. i didn't see any of them for most of the game so it even felt like a, a quarantine game to a certain extent but look I, they're required i think to start a certain number of first team players and they did and those players they went out there uh, again i, I don't want to like read into any individual performances because they were playing a bunch of children but they all went in and they put in a shift they did not take it for granted they worked hard they closed down newcastle they won back possession constantly and they just battered and battered and again they didn't score until the 40th minute but they never took the foot off the gas
2: I I said a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about this, partially because I despise the fact that there are academy teams playing in a trophy with professional teams, but I wanted to batter them six nothing, and that was that was beautiful. Uh, final shots twenty nine to two, shots on target eight to nil, passes six hundred and thirty to three hundred and nineteen. Uh, I believe I believe I, I'm just going off memory. The shots on goal were eighteen nil at half um that was in i mean absolute, fair, fair play to their yeah. keeper
0: he had a very good game <laughs> he did the newcastle under 21 keeper had a very good game um yeah i do want to think about a couple of performances i thought uh dilly bashiru was excellent and uh, it's going to be difficult for him to break into the squad between Byers, wing Adeniran, and bannon uh, i it, but i do think he offers something a little bit different where he is one of the few and have has done this too he gets the ball, he turns, and he runs directly at the, at the center backs. Like, he's a very, very direct central midfielder with pace and strength, which is not like—that doesn't really describe— and I thought, I mean, Wing completely ran that game from start to finish. Don't get me wrong. But he was able to do that in part because, you know, Dele was just going to be a battering ram in the midfield.
1: He gives us it, options, right? I mean, yeah. that, that's what it's all about, and I think that's the way we need to think about our whole squad now. Is
0: three of those midfielders to, will be hurt by January anyway? So.
1: <laughs> well, no doubt, but if a few get hurt, we've got players that come in. You know, we're we're going to be missing Massimo Longo for for some while, which you know, on paper, should be a really big hit for us. But look at look at the options we've got in the squad. And I think I agree with you. I thought he was excellent, uh, Dely Bashir. I think he, you know, he he should be a player who, in those games where we really need someone to unlock something by scaring the living whatever out of uh, out of a set of backs <laughs> in league one yeah you know let's get him going comes in and uh and that may may open something up for us so i thought it was really good to see him get a runner
0: uh so so had his debut as well and got right on the score sheet and also i thought was a, he is like we talk about like pacey wingers there was one newcastle counter attack that fell apart par- fairly quickly i think off a set play or something and he like so i saw this player just come flying into screen and I assumed it was Iorfa, but it was actually Sal coming all the way from the left wing back to like a center back position, just absolutely just like comically gaining ground on both the Wednesday the entire Wednesday squad and the entire Newcastle squad. So I am curious to see what he might look like with the with a longer run out in League One as well.
2: Yeah, I know my thumbs up was the uh continuing to be very excited about Darren Moore's tactical Flexibility and and one of the things that I really noticed with this game, and again, the giant asterisk is as we've talked, but this was a game against children,
0: yes, right? literal children. Uh,
2: but if you look at the different players that are in at different times, the entire tactical team approach is very different. When when Jack Hunt is in the game, we, we tend to attack down the right side and we push him up, and and maybe whoever's on the right wing will step inside. Uh, We had a situation where Liam Palmer was on the right side and Johnson was on the left and we ended up attacking down the left side and going with so um, in in that in that fashion, you bring up Fizz and the way that he. Gets the ball and runs with it, and you had him and Corbino, who does the same thing, I, attacking. Yeah, that I was I want to on put the right.
0: Shout for Corbinow for both these games. I thought he offered something for sure. Yeah.
2: Well, that's what it is. He yeah. offers something different, and because yeah. we're not attacking up the right from the fullback position, mm. we've got a midfielder and a winger who are attacking from the right on the ground. Darren Moore is taking the players that are in that particular game plan changing his game plan to suit them, and we are watching it succeed. I mean, like I said earlier, the process is good. I'm not going to lie. I'm very disturbed by how on board <laughs> I am with Darren Moore and
1: what he's doing and what this team is doing. I You uh, you aren't the only one either, Justin. I think when we come I, to talk about Wednesday news, we're going to talk about just how on board a lot of folks are with uh, with Mourinho. Um, but I think you, your point is well made, which is... You know there's flexibility there and what was really interesting i think last night and you you say that it was a game against children but look that's a premier league academy under 21 squad it should be better i'd actually be my my big thumbs down is if i'm a newcastle fan and i'm looking at the future (laughs) youth of newcastle because you guys have got a problem but my big thumbs up is look wednesday steve bruce
0: out there like making transfers on his own or whatever (laughs) it was (laughs) doesn't there's, fill you with confidence castle
1: fans. He's the real he who shall not be named. Let's yeah. um let's be fair because you know, where Wednesday maybe weren't sharp and you know on the end of those final balls on Saturday against Morecambe when we created the chances, we absolutely finished them last night and um none better than one lethal finisher from right back mm. in his home shirt ploughing, you know, up the pitch onto an absolutely sublime ball from Lewis Wing than uh, than Lewis no Liam Palmer There you go. Did Palmer steal that pass?
0: Was that supposed to be to to (laughs) Sal? We'll never know.
2: Palmer stepped in front of it. Yeah, no. Uh, James, I didn't know. This is how cool that game was. I didn't know if you were going to talk up Liam Palmer's finish or uh, Johnson's finish, which was that volley
0: off his
2: chest and volley into the post. I
0: am all for the tradition of not celebrating against your old club. It's the under-21s. You just fit in a great goal. You can be a little more excited, buddy.
2: (laughs) Oh, I didn't even think of that. I couldn't figure out why he was so... (laughs) Miserable. I know. That was a stunning goal. That was a stunning goal. And again, whether or not... You're right, James. Whether or not it's against children. I, I get the feeling that the Newcastle U21 team hasn't been battered like that in a while.
0: That was my thumbs down. I do feel bad for the children, especially the one that got completely <laughs> like ninety style Carlton Palmer taken out by George Byers towards the end of the game, and didn't even like he got the ball, but like completely upended in midfield. Just like won't somebody crunching. think of the children? Won't yes. somebody
1: please think of the children, Jeff? Basically, yes.
2: If, if I if I can, uh, unless we get anything else with that, if I could just briefly bring up a. Uh, Point of the Markham game uh, that I did want to mention because um, I know, thought it's
0: a very organized ship. We, yeah, go ahead.
2: <laughs> yeah, as as always, as always. Um, I mean, we we are drinking mm. and in hurricanes and tornadoes and whatnot. Um, I'll I'll leave aside the negative about our team, but so there was a stat thrown out there. I don't know if you guys caught this. We have not come from behind to win on the road. Since at Birmingham 2016, which was what we all know as the stunned Brummy game, where Gary Hooper had those two goals Mm. in like three minutes apart, and somebody took the amazing video footage of that. So that was kind of my thumbs down from the game. Just the idea that, holy shit, it's been four and a half years since we have come back back to win a game on the road. Uh, You'd like to see... I'd like to see that get broken at some point, you know, to to get that done. But I actually was really impressed with Morecambe. I, considering the talent level on that squad, uh, um, they had a couple of guys that stood out. But aside from that, for them to hang on during that first 60 minutes, 65 minutes, and then once they scored that scrappy goal, they we didn't have a real chance after that, you know. Credit to them. It, it is League One. It is... Yeah, we should have won that game. I
0: guess that's like another thumbs down for the Morecambe game. It was a little bit of same old Wednesday. Once they went down a goal, they didn't really seem to know how to react. Like you would have liked to see a little more something. There's a lot of Barry Bannon yelling at people, which I was not a huge fan of.
2: (laughs) Great call. Exactly. That feels like the same old shit. And we hadn't hadn't really seen that all year. And, And it was really nice to bounce back. Bringing it back to to Newcastle was nice to see a little bit of the same old shit and have that get wiped right right out.
0: We will have more of the same old shit in a second. If we take a break, come back with the Wednesday news and the Plymouth Argyle preview. Now we're back with some Wednesday news. But before we get to the Wednesday news, we do have to finish off the beer news. And James, your thoughts on the Wolf's Neck IPA?
1: Uh, this has gone down so well, I'm going to have to break the last of my reserve stash, Jeff. It's um, I'm still trying to work out if it's a New England IPA or a West Coast IPA. It's kind of a really hoppy, easy, really mellow like IPA. Super,
0: they don't really do super hazy IPAs. There. They're very sort of traditional
1: they don't. It's really well crafted. It's yeah. it's simple. It's it's got a lovely kind of hoppy bit of finish. It's only six and a half percent. It's not a crazy um, yeah. ABV. Um, and Wolf's Neck, by the way, I was looking it up during the break. It's it's literally the peninsula around the corner from Freeport, Maine, where their brewery is, which is where I picked up the bottle. And it's um, yeah, it's a state park. It's it's literally written on the back of the bottle. This is my gift to the people of Maine. Uh, and its visitors, so I guess I fall into the last category. But this is a this is a beautiful IPA, and uh, anyone who finds themselves just north of Portland, go and get a bottle.
0: Somehow, not the most uh, exciting acquisition of the week, though. We are not done hey. with the tra- I mean, We are now done with the transfer window, but we were not done with Wednesday transfers because they have added another striker. <laughs> uh, it's it's Saito Barahino, like. <laughs> What do you even do with this information? The two th- like we, had both, we had Solomon Rondon and Saito Barahino moving at the transfer deadline. It's like the mid-2010s are back.
1: It's and he didn't have to camp out in a car park to get his move either, mm. which was um, remarkable. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, if anybody can say that before whatever it was, 6 p.m. yesterday evening <laughs> in the U.K., that they would have had a English pound on that move coming through, um, they were clearly exceptionally well informed, but apparently it, it goes back some way. So maybe we should all have been paying a bit more attention. Yeah, uh, to Darren
2: Moore being a fucking wizard. Hmm.
0: He, That's uh, pretty he much the West, total West Bromwich uh, you set up on. Darren Moore was there, and there's a great article uh, at the Athletic by Nancy Frostic about you know, sort of chronicling uh, their relationship, and you know he was looking to. Maybe even make a move to a to a higher English league before Sheffield Wednesday came in for him. Uh, you know, most recently was Zoot Waregem. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, I'm so happy
2: you tried, though. I looked. At I'm going to give a shot in the, in the Belgian
0: try. First Division A. Um, you know, best known for his time at West Brom, obviously. Plus the time at Stoke as well. There was a, a fairly famous big money move to the Spurs that never him about i have again haven't really heard of him since the since the stoke time and i mean it, he's only 28 and at his peak he was a premier league quality striker He was
2: in the england youth international
0: setup for yeah quite some time there was a, a past the there. burundi team now
1: yeah, which is not the typical career path for someone who played for England and trained once, but it does it does still show that he's got pedigree internationally. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, let's be kind of get down to fundamentals. He is a Premier League quality striker who's had a number of issues with decision making, lifestyle choices, and and has lost his way a bit, or had lost his way a bit in his career. What's very clear is that he he still feels that he can do a job and. From everything I can understand, he's turned down offers and higher wages to come to Wednesday because he believes that actually working with Darren Moore can help him to make that correction, to take the step that he needs to forward to start to rediscover some of his potential. And look, you know, we've made a series of these moves, other clubs have made a series of these moves on characters that haven't necessarily ploughed the straight line. And they don't always play out. But if this one does, goodness me. I mean, you put him on the end of some of those balls from Bannon, from Byers, from Wing. The pace, the quality of finish. I mean, you only need to watch his showreel. Um, it's, it's frightening what he could do in this league. If he, if he is fit, if he can rediscover that form, if he can find the balance and the, um, the support and the mentorship that apparently certainly values in Darren Moore. Well, Saturday
2: was a great example, right? Um, you know, I, I like Lee Gregory. I, I think what he brings to the table is good. I'm not positive Lee Gregory is a 90 minute in the game guy. Um, and, you know, Lee Gregory's 33. Um, you know, he's not going to quite have the speed to get in there, although he does get about. Um, but yeah, to add this level of player to, as you guys were discussing earlier, our depth, that's, you know.
0: That's big and you look at it and you think well do we really need another striker and it's like well how many out and out strikers are in the squad right now like you can play patterson there you can play corbin there you can play camberry there you can play Windass there when he's fit but really it's only gregory is sort of the true sort of traditional number nine and i think uh, barrigino adds that in well
2: no, that's that's a great call. I mean, even Cambari who I think is a striker, is that sort of more? Yeah, they've been modern, playing. They, they've been playing
0: non- him on the wing. They should stop playing him on the wing. It just drives me nuts.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think some of that might be him getting about, but he, he's the he does, he does know,
0: like Roberto, a little. He does like a little run you know, into the corner. Yeah, I don't like that so much, but yeah.
2: No, he needs to stay in the middle, hold the ball up, draw people out. But hmm. no, again, this is this is depth. Uh, this is a forty-six game season. We are trying against most preseason predictions to get right back up to the championship. And and I think this is a move that is only going to, it's either going to be positive or, you know, given how much he seems to be into Darren Moore, even if it doesn't work out for him on the field, I don't see it necessarily being something that blows up off the field the way that James, you correctly mentioned, we've had happen in the past.
0: Speaking of squad death, it's going to be tested in coming weeks, as James mentioned in the first part of the show. Massimo Luongo is out with a hamstring injury. Uh, Dern Moore has indicated it's going to be weeks rather than months. We'll see. Uh, Gibson and Hutch are still unavailable, although that does not sound like they're particularly major issues. We might see them on the other side of the international break. Uh, Speaking of international football, uh, I do want to look where this is all good vibes. As I said already, I want to give a shout out Andre green scoring on his Europa league debut. Good for him. That's the thing, right? You, you move on players for a fee and if they don't work out here, that's great. And you don't, uh, you just be well-wishers and that's fine. Uh, (laughs) And then, and then uh, is this a lighter note, James? I don't know if this is a lighter note or not. Uh, Wednesday have now have announced this week that they have an official car buying sponsor.
1: I, I was absolutely delighted to, to read this. Um, a number of us uh, who've been observing Wednesday have like have commented on just how you know concerning it's been the amount of unofficial car buying that's been happening around Hillsborough recently. Um, unofficial taxi buying as well so to have an official car buying sponsor which i if assume means that...
0: any car.com. thank
1: you thank you uh, i'm told they have a great logo by the way um that's from paul very owen. professional paul owen knows a good logo as well um yeah i mean this is this is tremendous news um it means that those who are looking for an official car buying company now can rest easy because they have one that's endorsed by sheffield wednesday and Presumably, is paying a little bit more than we pay for a shirt sponsorship in order to have that accolade and uh, and place on the program and uh, and occasionally in the um, duly suite, I should imagine.
0: <laughs> well, you say, like, look, we're having a little fun with this, and it is kind of a, a, a silly thing to have an official car buying sponsor. But by the same token, uh, you know, this is something that we'd make fun of when the NFL does it or you know, the Major League Baseball has like the official. Snack potato chip of Major League Baseball. But it's all money in the coffers, right? That's the idea. The fact that we have an actual commercial marketing wing that is soliciting these, you know, soliciting money for the team, advertising marketing money for the team that goes to the team. uh, In addition, that uh, pays for things other than Liam Palmer's home shirt. Uh, Like That's how, as silly as it is, that's a thing you can do when you're a well-run, large English football club? I'm sure Arsenal has one of these. It it may not be like official car buying. It'll be something, right? It'll be the official tonic water or whatever. They'll they'll something like this.
1: No, I think the atomization of sponsorship is is a fabulous way for Wednesday to start to to accrue more revenue. So um, if we have an official who's Buyingyourcar.com hmm. sponsor, then um, why not have an official um, everything else? Like, I mean, I don't know. There must be an official uh, toilet roll sponsor of Sheffield Wednesday. There should be an official hot water on the north stand sponsor of Sheffield Wednesday. Let's bring in those dollars and um, and let's spend them on an ever expanding score. No, in all seriousness, Jeff, it's we mock it, but it's a good thing. Um, it does suggest some green shoots of commercial acumen. I'd like to see us go a long way further forward than this, but a step in the right direction
2: all of this this year though james it's it's little it's little steps we we talked about late in the year and even the off season or the beginning of the year this you know this we're dropping down a league hit the reset button this could have kept going south <laughs> and everything that we're seeing from the stuff on the field to the stuff in the clubhouse the the manager to this now is seems to be little steps in
1: the right direction it, it doesn't look i need to put my hand up and say it could have been going south i thought it was going to go a lot further south so the things that we are seeing the small measures and the bigger measures i mean let's not underestimate what darren moore is doing and what he has built in an immeasurably short space of time um They're steps that I didn't see coming. Um, They're steps which definitely have averted the slide and pushed us much, much back into a trajectory that could rapidly heal the club. Um, And we can't discount the fact that Dave Von Chan-Siri has clearly um, made some choices in, in taking those steps, whether those choices are releasing more funds, whether those choices are to take a more hands-off approach and to allow the commercial department to to make more um, you know decisions, whether it's allowing Darren Moore and more direct hand on transfers, all of those things have happened, and we gave Mr. Chancellor you know a heavy degree of uh, of criticism for the state that the club was in as we uh, hit the slide and hit the relegation. Um, we have to give him equal credit for the turnaround.
2: Yeah, we talked about that a little bit last week as well. It's it's only fair, right? It's uh, and again, it's her early days. Or uh, James, correct me on this: is the English phrase "early doors"? And if so, what the fuck does that mean? Because I've heard people say "early doors." What doors?
1: Early doors is like early drinking time. It just basically means they open the doors of the pub a little uh, bit earlier in the day.
2: Nice. Okay, that makes that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. So it's early doors, James, but. Uh, we like what we see.
0: What well, also makes a lot of sense is you need to unload your triumph Dolomite. Check out, uh, we buy <laughs> We'll now move on to the Plymouth Argyle preview. Take it away, Justin. Yeah. I actually that say rolls. that this week.
2: Yeah. Nice. We're, uh, playing the Plymouth Ar- Argyle pilgrims at, uh, home park. Uh, Right now they're sitting 12th, uh, dead middle of the table, uh, two wins, two draws and a loss plus two goal difference, six goals, uh, four two against. They have, they did lose to Rotherham on opening day. Uh, they've since beaten Gillingham and Shrewsbury and drawn with Cambridge and a very mediocre Fleetwood squad. So we'll see. They also lost at league to Newport County in their first, uh, pizza cup game. Uh, whatever that's worth. Uh, so for our American fans, uh, or people who just aren't aware of League One sides, uh, the Plymouth Argyle are the Pilgrims. They're one of two professional Devonshire clubs. James, can you name the other?
1: You can do it, bud. I can't even get off mute, Justin. So how am I gonna do I'm gonna go with Exeter City.
2: Excellent, correct call. You could also mention that Torquay United is there, but they're currently not in the professional league setup. So well done, James. Uh, those are the two Devonshire clubs. They have the Mayflower on the crest. That's the direct uh, connection with me. I'm about uh, 25 miles from Plymouth Rock, where the uh, Mayflower ended up, although the Mayflower actually first touched down in Sandwich, Massachusetts, probably you know, 20-minute ride from my house. Um, They've been playing pro football for a long time. Some interesting debate on where the term Argyle comes from. Uh, Feel free to research it on your own. I don't want to go into it, but I spent way too much time uh, reading what seemed to be the equivalent of a a doctoral thesis on the history of Plymouth Argyle. Uh, They're traditionally a second-slash-third-division yo-yo club, up and down, up and down. Never played in the top flight. Um, The last time that uh, Wednesday played Plymouth, uh, which is interesting, was 2010-2011. And they did the double on us and then promptly got relegated. Um, So looking forward to this modern team 10 years later. Uh, As I said, they're sitting mid-table right now. Ryan Lowe is their uh, manager, who... I know I was a pretty big advocate for, uh, over the course of last season, us bringing in because of his progressive, modern, aggressive defense, uh, or uh, offense, rather. Uh, He likes to play a 3-5-2 with lots of pressure, short passes, throws attackers into the box, uh, very aggressive. Uh, I guess the problem with this that they found last year is that led to a lot of inconsistency. Uh, there was a description on them that they were, it was as if the entire team took shots of espresso before getting onto the field. And apparently they just pushed everybody forward at all opportunities, and that would often stretch them out too thin. Uh, one of the reports I read suggested that they were getting down the field so quick that the opponents didn't have time to get back on them. So when the counter came the other way, the other team's wingers were already upfield. That led to a lot of them getting beat last year and inconsistency. And I read a really interesting article on Lowe talking about his change in philosophy this year, where he knows you have to be more pragmatic. And what I thought was pretty great uh, from him uh, is his quote in this article, which was in maybe August, was written. He said, We're not a team that's going to go to Sheffield Wednesday and turn them over. You know, and he mentioned Sunderland as well as another big club, you know, and he understands that he now needs to change his philosophy a little bit. You can't be all gung ho all the time against certain opponents. So he actually brought in an entirely new back three Uh, Dan Scar, Brendan Galloway, and James Wilson. And he brought in a new defensive midfielder, Jordan Hutton. So I expect that we'll see him to play a lot more reserved. It'll look more like a five three two than a three five two. Um, but he has everywhere he's been at Berry and at Plymouth Argyle, his strikers score. And this year on a team with six goals, he's got one striker, uh, Luke Jeffcott with three goals, and another striker, Ryan Hardy, with three goals. So Ryan Lowe has proved to be an adept manager. Uh clearly understands his weaknesses at this point and has everywhere he's been managed to get his strikers to score. Um, so what I, I think we're probably gonna end up seeing, uh, and this is September 11th, so we've got two weeks roughly or 10 days until uh, that game. What, what I really expect to see is them sitting back and looking to hit us on the counter and get some balls into their, um, to their two young forwards who, who can finish. Uh, good news for us is we will have Dom Iorfa and one of several other quite good center back options to help uh, Shut them down. So I you know, even though we're going on the road um, I'd like us to to take points.
0: I Just want to say that uh, looking over the managerial history of Plymouth Argyle for a lower league side it has an incredible Managerial history. We mentioned Ryan Lowe, obviously. Uh, Another ex-Wednesdayite, John Sheridan managed them. Paul Sturrock twice. Peter Reed. Ian Holloway. Tony Pulis was there in 2005. Uh, Nick uh, Was Warnock? Neil Warnock in 1995, which I'm like, oh, is that like his first job? No, it was like his seventh job. (laughs) (laughs) Neil Warnock has been managing longer than any of us have been alive. Uh, Peter Shelton as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. So just an incredible uh, list of managers here.
1: So just a quick bit of uh, you know Q and A for you, Justin. Um, in your research, Ryan Lowe, obviously former Wednesday striker, now uh, now doing the business for Argyle. You name another ex-Wednesday striker who went to Plymouth Argyle late in his career. No. One, Steve McLean.
0: Ah. Oh. Did he? I thought he wasn't he at. Uh, what was he at like? Uh, St. Johnston forever. I feel like.
1: Because
0: wasn't he at the? Probably same? was at some point in
1: his career. Spent a bit of time at Plymouth, and the uh, the reason I know this is uh, Plymouth for a long while. I don't know if they still do, and I'll have to check this out. But they had Ginster's Pasties as their main sponsor mm-hmm. on the shirt. So the oh, official pasty amazing. of Plymouth Argyle was Ginster's. Stephen McLean, forty-eight
0: pasty. appearances for Plymouth Argyle, five goals. There you go.
2: My my biggest problem with Plymouth is that I get them and Pompey mixed up. I can't mentally separate Portsmouth and Plymouth, and it's just, mm. I'm sure it's some American bias or something. Not but...
1: really, Justin. They're both forgettable places on the South Coast, <laughs> beginning with P. Fair enough. Thank you, James.
0: We, we might actually finally see the debut of the Pink Change Trip this week, though.
2: That would be disappointing. And it would be next week
0: next week whenever this game actually is because I, I i mean i assume it's sunderland they would have used the they would have had to use the home kit blue. again but yeah yeah but plymouth is a dark green so the blue would actually clash there so we finally, finally will probably see the pink will my pink kit arrive from the club before the Plymouth argyle game is the question no. still to be answered probably not no i checked so I well, just they never send me shipping notifications excited. it just shows up at some point They said we expect it to uh, ship out two to three days after and take about two weeks. So we'll see. It should get here before that. Only time will tell.
2: Shipping from the UK is weird. It it can be... I've had stuff show up in a week and I've had stuff show up like two months later.
0: Uh, I don't believe we have any other business. You can check the Facebook group for the meetups. Uh, I think we are doing a meetup for Plymouth Argyle. I assume it'll be at the football factory. A long way down the road. But until then, you've been listening to episode 147 of the Owls Americas. Find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. And find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are I follow Wednesdays forever Reverend and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls America's, so yes, We ask you rate and review the show. It helps more Wednesday nights. Find our ramblings. Justin is on Twitter at new England owl. Justin, how disappointed were you when this second Liam Palmer goal did not go in against the Newcastle under 21s?
2: Uh, Jeff, I would probably tuned the game out by then. <laughs> I was, uh, I was at work and, uh, I just started back at work. Shout no. out to all the teachers out there, Colorado Owl. I know you're out there. I know Miles is uh, on the Isle of Man. Back to work. It's 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 a difficult thing for us to uh, process. Um, so, but I did manage to carve out a little bit of time in the yeah. afternoon. And uh, yeah, man, by the by the 60th minute, I I had seen what I needed to see, and I had some work to do.
0: I had to go pick up like our our CSA order, and I thought I could do it. In between, you know, by the halftime break, I was a little bit late, so I saw they had scored a second goal, and the time it took me to go back and find the second goal, and I follow, they had scored a third goal, so I had to go like, oh, yeah, this is I weird. This quit. never happens. What's what's going on here? I don't. We're uh, playing a bunch of children. Yeah, we are playing it literally a bunch of children. James is on Twitter at Manhattan Owl. James, you have survived uh, the tornado.
1: I have. The uh, the tornado warning is over. Um, apparently, it's headed your way, Jeff. So um, I'm good looking, looking Connecticut to Netscape tonight.
0: Uh, I'm on Twitter at Jeff Federastro. And we'll see you next week, assuming I'm not lifted off to the magical land of Oz, where Wednesday are still in the Premier League. There's no place like home.